we're back, folks. Uh, my name is Carter Krishnire. His name is Neil Blackman. It's been about six months since we've done one of these, but we're looking to be back uh, two, three times a month record and bring you the latest uh, with the U.S. men's national team, the U.S. women's national team, Major League Soccer and professional soccer around the United States and, of course, Yanks abroad as well. However, before we get to the national team scene, Neil, we've got some local news here in South Florida we need to talk about, which is... Uh, uh, what is going to happen to the Lockhart Stadium deal now with uh, Jorge Moss and David Beckham's MLS team competing against another group that wants to bring a USL team, retail, USL championship team, retail uh, space and friendlies to the facility. Um, your initial thoughts, Neil, on, on the whole, you've written about this already at yanksforcoming.com uh, about the uh, situation with Jorge Moss's MLS team and uh, their rollout. Well, you know, I, I continue to to want MLS in Miami uh, to succeed. I want professional soccer in in the place I call home to do well. Uh, but I think it's just been one of the most clumsy, disorganized rollouts of a professional franchise that we've we've seen in ages. Um, and and that's what's so interesting about the Lockhart plan that that, that Miami FC that that, that Inter Miami presented to uh, the city of Fort Lauderdale is that they did seem to have a detailed and concrete idea about what they want to do in Fort Lauderdale, and yet they don't have a place to train right now. Uh, they don't have a place to play their first season, and we all know, um, or at least. Uh, we've certainly written about at TYC and you've written about elsewhere and, and lots of places that we've had the chance to talk about it. Uh, the Miami Freedom Park project is by no means uh, guaranteed to, to get done. And even if it gets done, uh, the chances that that happens, you know, on schedule, um, I think, get lower by the day. Before we get to Fort Lauderdale, uh, the place you and I call home, or I live in Coral Springs, which is a suburb of of Fort Lauderdale, lived most of my life here off and on. Uh, I want to catch up our listeners on Miami Freedom Park. Uh, A ballot initiative did pass in November 5941 among city of Miami residents uh, to to allow uh, Jorge Moss and David Beckham's MLS team, Inter-Miami CF, to negotiate some sort of long-term lease agreement with the city. However, it has to be noted a few things. One, Miami, um, I I know a lot of people from Fort Lauderdale and Broward don't like hearing this, and we'll get more into this later in the episode, but Miami is a global brown. It is a global city. Uh, Fort Lauderdale is not. Um, It it is a city that is vastly becoming one of the hottest um, urban areas in the Western Hemisphere. Uh, one of the sexiest urban areas. There is just not enough park space in Miami, right? Not enough green space in, in, in the city. You don't have a great urban park in Miami like you do in Vancouver or New York or Chicago, San Francisco, et cetera. So I think a lot of city residents and activists see this Melrose complex as a potential place for um, more urban park space and less retail. Now, Jorge Moss's plan has retail and a soccer stadium there. Local residents, and I mean specifically of that neighborhood, not of the entire city of Miami, are concerned about increased traffic on uh, State Road 836, which is the Dolphin Expressway, the East-West Expressway um, that goes toward downtown Miami on Lejeune Road, uh, which is the north-south, major north-south road in that area, and also on Douglas Road, which is uh, another north-south thoroughfare uh, in that area, 37th Avenue. There is a major train station right by where this will be built, um, which is... Uh, the, the, the MIC, where the MIA mover uh, 
Metro Rail's Orange Line and uh, Tri-Rail, which is our commuter rail that goes uh, from West Palm Beach through Fort Lauderdale into Miami, all meet. Now, in theory, in some other urban areas, that might be fantastic because you have a train station right there. And um, they, those places have a culture of people taking mass transit uh, to these sorts of events. But in South Florida, we don't have that culture. So on paper, while it looks very good that you have three different train systems meeting at that train station and then it will be walking distance to the stadium, there's lots of concern that people are just going to drive anyway because that's what we do in South Florida. So um, uh, long story short, there are three lawsuits now. Um, contesting that site, contesting the city, the way the city even went about getting the um, language on the ballot, uh, contesting the, the, the use and the request for proposals uh, for that site. Uh, if you want further details, just, just do a Google search. Long story short, uh, Miami, inner Miami CF deal is unlikely to play at that site anytime before, I would say, 2023, realistically. Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing is that you know, yet again, they've kind of, uh, they're not on schedule in terms of what the, the public stance was, the public position. And I think that's problematic just because, look, MLS wants the market so badly, they've made all sorts of accommodations, right, right uh, already. Um, and I, I can't blame but, them because when I travel abroad, Neil, I have to say Miami is one of like five cities that comes off people's uh, the, the tip of their tongues that are in the United States. Uh, when you, when you travel to Europe, it's one of the five or six cities people really know in the U S and there's no MLS team here. So I, I, I understand it better after doing a lot of traveling these last few years than I did before when I said, well, what's because we live here. So maybe we tend to have a, a more nuanced view about this place. What, why is MLS so obsessed with wanting to put a team in Miami? Now I get it. I mean, I understand from international recognition, sponsorships, uh, just, uh, appeal abroad they need a team here but you're right they have made every concession much like they did with new york city so so continue yeah well i mean it's just you know and and you know some of that is in a way very culturally appropriate that there's been so much disorder to to the rollout <laughs> i mean miami miami is a very uh, chaotic uh, laissez-faire uh, kind of place and so uh, to some extent, it's a little bit ironical, but the reality is that to me that the 2020 issue is the bigger problem right now, because it's not just a 2020 issue as Cardiff alludes to. It's probably at, at, at a minimum, it's a 2020 and 2021 home that they need and they don't have one. Correct. And so let's transition now to Fort Lauderdale and Lockhart Stadium. Uh, just for those of you who don't, don't know my background, I became a soccer person because as a little kid, I was a ball boy in that stadium for several matches for the original Fort Lauderdale Strikers in the NASL. Uh, more recently, I worked for the Fort Lauderdale Strikers of uh, NASL and also uh, Miami FC, the other Miami FC. Obviously, I work with the current Miami FC now. Very confusing. This is, this is part of the theme, though. Teams come and go in South Florida, uh, but worked on off and on with uh, – the Miami, uh, Miami FC slash Fort Lauderdale Strikers from 2009 to 2016 had some gaps in there, uh, but spent a lot of time working in and around that stadium from 2009 to 2016. Uh, we'll say this, Neil, uh, since the Strikers abandoned the property uh, at the end of 2016, stopped playing games there in the summer of 2016, abandoned the property completely in December 2016, 
the site has fallen into disrepair. The city of Fort Lauderdale has not maintained it. They've wanted to wait until they saw what happened with the with the various water park and retail proposals that all fell through for the site. Now you have FXC Football, uh, which is a front group for on-site entertainment, a group that's done a fantastic job bringing a lot of friendlies uh, to South Florida, whether it be uh, uh, teams like River Plate playing in Boca Raton at FAU Stadium or Penarol playing in, in, in Miami at Ted Hendricks Stadium, those sorts of events they've been able to bring to this area. They are, they've launched a competing proposal with Inter-Miami. So let's walk through kind of both proposals, Neil. Uh, your, your, your thoughts on, let's start with the Inter-Miami proposal, uh, which was made, which was, as you said, very detailed, uh, which is a, a a good change from what we've seen from inter Miami's proposals in Miami, in Miami and Miami-Dade County. Uh, but uh, what do you, what do you make of that proposal? Well, um, I like a couple things about it. I mean, I like that they're not making these grand 99 year lease promises. Um, you know, it's a very specific, here's what we think we can do now. Uh, we're going to build soccer fields in and around it. Um, we will house our, you know, whatever it is, League One or, or championship style team there. Um, but it'll be our training home. Um, both you and I have, have learned that, you know, at least from a development standpoint, it's likely to be their, their offices yes. um, would be housed uh, there. And, and they're not making this argument that they are going to refurbish, you know, Lockhart with, with a, a coat of lipstick. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a plan to, uh, to kind of make that the home of, of inter Miami other than on game day. And, um, and, you know, there's not any retail. So how does it generate extra revenue? I think the Moss group is less concerned with that, which the city, at least the city commissioner's offices I talked to were very appreciative of that. Um, they liked the idea of, just extra park space where yeah. we can have soccer tournaments here. Um, we can host high, big high school level matches here and we wouldn't have a problem with that. I mean, those things. So it's a lot of really concrete details, but essentially it's a training ground um, similar to, to what um, the setup that, that Atlanta has. Yeah. A very, very similar. I think Paul McDonough used the setup Atlanta has as kind of an inspiration. There's some other considerations here also with being a historic facility, which, uh, it seems MLS and Inter Miami want to pay homage to. Okay, FXC football. Uh, walk us through that uh, proposal real quickly, and then I've got some uh, some critique points about both proposals that we'll get to after. So uh, FXC is, is a little more ambitious. Um, they'd like to refurbish Lockhart, and they have an agreement with uh, the USL if they win the bid that there will be a USL championship club. What that club is named, um, I think – is up in the air. I know that there are people who are very passionate about the sport in the city of Fort Lauderdale that, that hope it's the strikers, but understand that it's not their property plan includes extensive commercial retail. It also includes a top golf, which is, um, you know, the closest one right now is in Miami gardens, just to the East of hard rock, uh, stadium. Um, they want to put one in Broward. Uh, which I think would do really well. Um, and then there's other commercial retail ideas. I think that the biggest two questions with FXA um, are, 
why so ambitious? You really are willing to commit to, uh, you know, a 99-year lease. Sounds like a recipe for bankruptcy if things go wrong. Yeah. And, um, and you know, how are you going to finance it? Because they have done a wonderful job, as Cardick said, bringing friendlies that matter to the communities here. It might not seem like the sexiest thing to have Pinnerall in certain parts of this country, but in South Florida, it's a big deal. Um, so they do great stuff, but you know, I think there are people that are a little wary of, of the silver tongued ambition of it. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think uh, there are a couple of questions I have uh, w- with this whole thing. One, what is the sustainability of a USL championship club? I know um, pe- uh, some, a small contingent of fans in South Florida that are active on, on Twitter and in social media, like to like to blame every ownership group. This was the, even the, the, uh, the theme, the narrative as we approached the Jorge Moss, David Beckham project within Inter Miami CF was that, well, the reason the fusion failed was because of the, the, the ownership. The reason why the original Miami FC struggled was because of the ownership. The reason the four Lauderdale strikers struggled was because of the ownership. The reason why uh, Miami FC, you know, has whatever struggles they have are because of the ownership. I, I can't speak to that obviously directly because I work for that ownership group uh, just as a, in, in the, uh, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, but um, those sorts of things keep coming out. At some point you have to determine maybe a market isn't really good. If every ownership group with varying plans, varying ambitions struggle, I am not convinced about the sustainability of a USL championship club playing at Lockhart stadium uh, for more than a year or two, if I'm perfectly honest with it, you. So when FXC football has this town hall meeting, they're having Wednesday, I want to hear how they're going to finance it and what, level of losses they're willing to take because they are going to lose money and they're going to lose a lot of it the first few years. That's just the, the reality of uh, second and third division professional soccer in the United States, especially if you don't have a, uh, a roadmap to get to major league soccer. That's the closed league system in the United States. I'm an advocate for open soccer, an advocate for pre- promotion and relegation, uh, but we don't have that now. And if you're stuck in a closed league uh, and you're not, you don't have upward mobility, it's difficult to make it work. So that's, that's something I'm very concerned about is, are they counting on that retail space to fund the USL team? Are they counting on bringing friendlies to the Lockhart stadium facility to fund the USL team? That those are all important questions for me. Um, You know, have there been contracts signed with these retailers? Uh, That's an important question for me. Now um, on the Beckham side, on the Jorge Mas side, we need to definitively hear from them whether they will have youth tournaments uh, that they are planning to have at that complex, which will generate revenue for the city. I, I, the Western Cup, which is going on this weekend, Neil, here, here in Broward County, I believe generates more revenue each year than the Fort Lauderdale Strikers did in an entire calendar year in each of the six seasons they existed uh, as far as <laughs> Broward County. I'm, and I'm not joking either. It's, 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 no, I know you Youth tournaments are a big deal. I think a lot of the soccer hipsters that, that just watch professional soccer uh, and want uh, a, a team in whatever league don't realize that. The moneymaker, particularly for areas like this with a lot of hotel rooms, which caters to tourists, Broward County, are in those youth tournaments. I have not heard anything from Moss or Beckham indicating that they would use that facility uh, appropriately for that. Whereas FXE football or front group for onside entertainment who do match promotion. So I, I figure they'll eventually figure that part out, that they need to have youth tournaments there because they are match promoters. Um, the other big question I have for uh, the Beckham group is, will they set aside some of that area, since they're not doing retail, for park space? 
much like what they're learning with Mel Rees and Miami Freedom Park. I think park space is at a greater premium in Miami. Miami, as I said at the outset, is a world-class city. Fort Lauderdale is our home. Uh, I've lived off and on in Broward County for 40 years, which is my entire life, uh, basically. But um, And most of that time in Broward County. But I, I will admit Fort Lauderdale is just kind of a sleepy, you know, it's kind of a bustling town now, but was a sleepy town uh, 40 years ago. It's not Miami. We have a little more park space in Fort Lauderdale. We have a lot of park space in Broward County. Broward County as a county, and this is separate from the city of Fort Lauderdale, important distinction for our listeners, Broward County has some of the best parks in this state uh, and the best park space. But a lot of that is, is, is in the western part of the county where I live. Right. I know you live right. in the city of Fort Lauderdale, Neil. You live pretty close to Lockhart. There isn't very much park space there. No, uh, there, there really isn't. And, and I think, um, you know, that's certainly an important part of, of that discussion for them. And, and I also, you know, I kind of wonder, uh, you know, that their short-term commitment to Lockhart would obviously involve a lot of investment if they're going to play youth tournaments and make it sort of a standalone training ground and, and corporate office. Uh, I think that's great. Um, the question I sort of have is, you know, do they do they try to go somewhere else after a couple of years, knowing that they may need the the area to the Lockhart area to clo- to to host the club again in in twenty twenty one because of all the litigation <laughs> issues surrounding Mel Rees. Um, but but I shared your concerns with you know I think my biggest issue with with the FXC group is I, I'm just not sure that professional soccer at the USL level. Um, is necessarily sustainable in Fort Lauderdale. No. I mean, and I don't, I don't say that as somebody that wouldn't love to be able to go five minutes down the road and <laughs> it's pretty much what it is uh, to, to, to see it, you know, I'd go, but, but I'm not the person that they need to sell. Um, and that's why we've kind of talked about the tough spot that inner Miami is in because uh, if they play there, their first season, I think they get to sell the Miami's team thing and brand uh, fine because they'd be playing where their corporate office is. And, you know, that makes a ton of sense. Um, but long-term, whatever kind of team they have there, uh, you know, I don't think any of those things do as well as they do to our North in Palm beach County, which is something that Cardick and I have kind of tried to explain to, to folks that, that the hotbed soccer area really in the tri-counties, Palm Beach, Broward, and, and Dade is Palm Beach. Yeah, in terms of infrastructure and in terms of interest. So your youth clubs are Both. B- b- better right. organized in Palm Beach than they are in Broward and Miami-Dade. Um, and the television ratings consistently for, um, for international tournaments and for the Premier League are higher in the West Palm Beach media market than the Miami-Fort Lauderdale media market. I, I would also point out um, and I had this brief experience with Boca Raton FC. It is much easier to get mainstream media coverage, even for an amateur team. It was easier to get mainstream media coverage for an amateur team in Boca Raton, which is in that media market, even though it's only 15 miles north of Fort Lauderdale, the media markets. Uh, if you look up the, the census area, the, the metropolitan statistical area, you'll see the Miami Fort Lauderdale metropolitan area is in the top uh, top six or seven nationally in terms of metropolitan area it's the fourth largest urban area in the country actually in terms of population but in terms of tv market it is uh split between these two markets 
Uh, the thing I found, Neil, is that you can get an amateur team covered in Palm Beach much more easily than you can even get a professional team covered in Fort Lauderdale and Miami. Uh, and that, that reflects my experiences with both the Strikers and Miami FC. Um, so I think that that's very important. And then the other thing I would want to point out, going back to your point, and let's talk about this a little bit. There is um, – I, I think I would love to see my uh, a uh, – a team named Fort Lauderdale again. I mean, I will admit when strikers went away in 2016, I was depressed for months. I was jaded about soccer. You know, this, we, we started up this podcast in that period. And uh, I, I was depressed didn't want to think about the sport. That's how committed I am to a local professional team in Broward County. I also though, cannot make excuses like some people do and say, well, this ownership group was bad. That ownership group was bad. This one was terrible. They didn't do it right. It's not a good market. Okay. I think we've had more than ample opportunity to prove that we've had six years of the strikers. We've had teams before that. They just haven't done well. Um, the lone exception uh, since the original strikers being the, uh, the Miami fusion in 20 in 2001, by the way, I, I did very well at Lockhart drew very well, but, um, MLS had made up their mind. Phil Anschutz had made up their mind about this market and, 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 had decided to contract it before that happened, which leads me to another point, Neil. MLS can do well in Fort Lauderdale, as we saw in 2001, if the team is worth watching. That was the first time the Fusion were worth watching. And whether those fans came from Broward or Miami-Dade or Palm Beach, I don't know. I, I suspect a lot of them came from Palm Beach, actually. Um, but uh, there was a buzz. And I think had the striker, uh, excuse me, the Fusion continued into 2002 and 2003 through MLS's rough period, I think they would be fine. They'd still be playing now. They'd still be playing at Lockhart. They'd be drawing. They wouldn't be drawing what Orlando's drawing, but they'd be drawing better than Colorado or Dallas. I'm pretty convinced of that. So um, I do think some sort of connection with Major League Soccer. Fort Lauderdale is a is is part of this this megalopolis around Miami. Um, that's why minor league soccer without upward mobility is tough to sustain. If you had an MLS team playing Fort Lauderdale for a few years. Uh, even if it's a temporary home, I think it could be quite successful if done right. Well, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to uh, unpack in that statement, as they as they say. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. The first, I mean, uh, the first part of it is that's the first part that sticks out to me as somebody who, who supports promotion and relegation is that's exactly that's the issue. The reason that's that, the issue, yeah, basically. But I know that, we don't want to have do a whole the, podcast on no, that. No, and, but and it we is. don't. And, but, but we can mention it for forty-five seconds yeah. and say that the crux of the promotion relegation debate is that there were a host of markets where the opportunity to to advance to the top division would be um, a market mechanism that that creates incentives for for attendance and that that creates buzz and excitement. Um, and, and the prospect of relegation, by the way, kind of gets left out in that conversation, but it counts too. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, people go to see train wrecks. They go to see relegation. Well, games, they go to see uh, things because there's at... something on the line. I mean, again, I again, I don't want this whole conversation yeah. to be about this. And then I know people who are outside this this community who listen to this podcast say, "Oh no, they're going on about promotion and relegation." But the reality is that matters, and I think. I, I should have I yeah. should have said this when That's I all... made my statement earlier was that the reason why these USL and NASL teams don't work in Fort Lauderdale is because there's no prospect of promotion. That's the reality. Yeah, and, and no, and that's that's all I wanted to say about it. And I think the second thing was that that uh yeah, I mean look, maybe maybe the the tact would be that if they hosted for for twenty twenty and twenty twenty one, perhaps 
Um, maybe a, a lower division team on the back end of that could at least for a little while maintain some excitement because they're connected to inter Miami right. and, and there would be established cultural connections. The other thing that, that you noted that I think is important is the media market distinction. It's a point that uh, our friend Ariel Castillo has made a lot, which is that Palm beach has a different media market right. um, in its entirety than Miami and Fort Lauderdale. You go there and it's Palm Beach stations on all of the major network affiliates. So the problem then is Inter has laid out, and you've seen it in murals. If, if you're here, you, you could go to any number of neighborhoods in Miami and there'll be a you know, beautiful Inter-Miami mural, mural somewhere by a street artist. Uh, there will be uh, you know, advertising, you know, our city, our club, that type of thing. So when your marketing strategy is Miami's team yeah. uh, and you start play potentially in Palm Beach County where it's an entirely different media market, that's not how you want to start, which makes finding a home and winning this Fort Lauderdale argument so important because, and this kind of transitions nicely to where we're at back with Enter, is they've got, you know, they've got issues in terms of finding that temporary home because FIU is anything but certain as a location. Yeah. Right. And which um, I can't speak to just because of my, and, and, Car- of my and Carter can't yeah. speak. Right. Carter can't speak to that professionally, but I, I can tell you that, you know, the very short version is that, that inter Miami would be third uh, in yeah. line there behind any F- FIU athletic teams that need Ricardo Silva stadium and behind the Miami FC who start, play in in the nascent MPSL uh, pro league um this this autumn so you're you're talking about you know a really problematic situation for a team that has already been told no by by the marlins um <laughs> that and that that we don't want to go down the rabbit hole of the audacity of the marlins to tell anyone <laughs> in the city that they know about anything but but uh yeah I, I just and, and that they get that. away with it. They continue to get away with it. I mean, and that they continue, yeah, that they continue to get away with telling Miami no about anything. Anyone in Miami should get a yes from the Marlins at all times. Um, but but neither here nor there. And then I, I think the Dolphins took a much more reasonable position, which is just that um, it's really not possible from a scheduling standpoint when the Dolphins aren't home, the Hurricanes are, uh, which really limits – the number of home game windows and also the tennis tournament now the miami open uh and the miami open so you're really limited in terms of your time uh at least during an important part of the mls season and it puts a lot of strain on the schedule makers for mls uh and i don't think enter miami wants to get in the league in a situation where they're they're home for one to two years is somewhere where they're going to have no home games down the home stretch of the season it's pretty brutal. Yeah, they've uh, learned that with New York already. That that uh, we've seen NYCFC late season matches and playoff matches moved around pretty frequently. One more note about uh, Joe Robbie Stadium or, or Hard Rock Stadium with the Dolphins. Uh, the ICC is something that they are incredibly committed to, which blocks off. It does convert the stadium to, for soccer uh, to soccer for a couple of weeks in the summer, but it also means right. uh, Inter Miami would be the last priority. <laughs> European clubs uh, will be using that field regularly at that point. Yep. So, so backtracking to your Palm Beach point. So, uh, uh, great, 
great uh, mention of Ariel there. She, she's right. It is a completely different media market. And there has there have been talks I can report, and I, mean, I think this, other people have, have reported this as well, between Inter-Miami and FAU, which is in Boca Raton, which is in that media market. New stadium, the U.S. has played there. Uh, U.S. men and women have played there. Germany has played there. There have been lots of soccer matches there. Excellent facility. It's one of the few facilities in the country where you have a view of the ocean. If you go to all the way to the top, you can see the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, but that, yeah. that is in the Palm Beach media market. And I can speak to this from shopping in both Palm Beach, uh, where I spend a lot of time, and in Fort Lauderdale. You can go into a sports shop uh, in the mall in, in the Fort Lauderdale area and find inter-Miami gear already. In Palm Beach, you can't. So I don't know that um, when they launched this, Jorge Moss and David Beckham using our city, our club, if they had ever thought of marketing north of Fort Lauderdale, it had been Miami to Fort Lauderdale, basically a very small 20 mile uh, radius of which are, you know, square miles would be higher, but, you know, 20 miles uh, as the crow flies from Miami to Fort Lauderdale, uh, <laughs> where they had marketed, uh, they're going to need to get their retail into shops in Boca and in Wellington and in Palm Beach Gardens at, at those three malls, uh, if they're going to make a go of this real soon, if they go to FAU. So, all of this is leading back to one thing, Neil. We could go in circles about it. They need Lockhart, and they need it bad. Yeah, I think, and I think that's the that's kind of the general uh, gist of this is that I I actually think, and I know this won't win me friends among some of the the local soccer folks that that Cardick and I are friends with. <laughs> they will not be pleased with me, but um, they have the better bid for Lockhart in my position, in my opinion. Um, they have the more sustainable model because it just doesn't scare me because we've been told all these promises by groups before yeah. in Fort Lauderdale and, and the FXC bid in a lot of ways is good, but it also suffers from the same, uh, you know, it's, it seems like a lot of the same promises without the, Neil, you know, sorry to cut you off real quickly. Uh, I just want to throw this in and I'll let you continue. That, that yeah. is not an opinion of yours or mine from talking to people around the city and people around politics there are people associated with the city of Fort Lauderdale that are gun shy about these grand uh, projects and these grand ideas because they've been burned before. So uh, the fact that the Miami, uh, the inter Miami bid is a little more modest and seems attainable and doesn't tie them to a 99 year lease or any of that stuff, I think is weighing heavily on the decision makers in the city of Fort Lauderdale. So I think what's important, and I'll let you continue with this with this thought, uh, is that FXC show that they're somehow different than the bids that have fallen apart before for that that complex. Yeah, and they need to do that in a way that 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 happens quickly because I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm Cardick and I both are are politically involved people, and and when I talk to city commissioners' offices and agents from those offices. You know, one of them just straight asked me what I thought. And I said, well, I said, you know, it sounds OK, but, you know, there's part of me that, that worries, as I said, that this is just uh, another big promise without the beer drones. Um, so, <laughs> so, like, do, do you want to let our listeners sure. know about the beer drones? They don't know how to wear. Well, so that was the, the Brazilian ownership group that that bought the uh, that bought the Fort Lauderdale Strikers and included, of course, uh, the Brazilian um, superstar, uh, Ronaldo, the original Ronaldo. Um, one of their one of their ownership promises was that they would have drones that would deliver beers to uh, to prospective fans, 
in the stadium. It was one of their their big promises that and they believed in it so much. I believe they put it in their presentation um, <laughs> when they when they had rolled out the team and celebrated the ownership. And I know that Ronaldo referenced it when he talked to the press at at Hard Rock. There was an event, you know. Ah, well, we we've Ronaldo. You know, he gives us this credibility, and I, poor Ronaldo got taken advantage of, yeah. in my opinion. But but uh, that's neither here nor there. I, <laughs> There weren't ever beer drones, uh, suffice to say. Um, what there was was mismanagement and now uh, Lockhart Stadium with, with weeds the size of palm trees. So um, it's it's kind of sad. And anybody with kind of a, a cursory understanding of, of the history of soccer in this country uh, has to, even if they don't want Lockhart there anymore, has to appreciate all the history that's happened in that space. And I think... That's that's kind of where I come from as somebody that loves the game, is passionate about the game, is and, and is passionate about Broward County and Fort Lauderdale. Is I just want what's best for for that space, what preserves that space, and what keeps it about soccer. Yeah, I I, I can speak to the same same kind of uh, motivations. I, I come from a family where I have family members who are so parochial towards Broward County, they won't even drive to Miami unless they're absolutely forced to. Won't do anything, won't acknowledge it. I think it's a bit of an inferiority complex, personally. I mean, I, I used to be the same way, but I've kind of gotten over it and realized one needs the other and, and uh, don't have much time for the, the Miami chest pounding, hey, we're the greatest city in the world either, which I think has motivated a lot of the fans who are behind uh, the supporters of Inter-Miami uh, who wouldn't come to Fort Lauderdale Strikers games. And then strangely, uh, even though they're all about Miami, you won't go to Miami FC games because they obviously don't believe in promotion and relegation as a concept and, and you know want to play ball with U.S. soccer, whatever. But I, I'm very parochial about Broward County. I'm very parochial about Fort Lauderdale. I want a team called Fort Lauderdale in that stadium forever. However, <laughs> that's me, my personal preferences. I think realistically, as a citizen of Broward County, as someone has to look at, at, at the broader picture, the way you've outlined it is absolutely right, Neil. My sense is that the Beckham and Moss group definitely have a leg up. Uh, the burden of proof and the threshold, the thresholds that they need that need to be met by the FXC group are much higher. So, uh, and that's not their fault. That's based on what has happened in the in that space in the last five to ten years in terms of redevelopment ideas and retail projects, et cetera. And also just the safety and security of knowing Jorge Moss and David Beckham aren't going anywhere. That team is not going to fold. That team will be around, even if they're just training at that stadium. Whereas, as I've said, minor league professional teams come and go uh, in South Florida, uh, whether they be in Miami or Fort Lauderdale. Most of them have been in Fort Lauderdale. It's just not a sustainable market for uh, closed league minor league soccer. And again, uh, I, I hate to keep bringing it up, and, and you brought it up initially. If we had ProRel, we wouldn't even be having this conversation. I think it would be very easy to say, hey, let's just give, give it to the FXE guys. Maybe they can, they can earn their way up into the top flight, but that's not the way things are done in this country, unfortunately. Um, so just wrapping up, I, I'll say my, the feedback I've gotten, Neil, from leaders around the county mirror what you've, you've heard. I think um, it's Beckham and Moss to lose. Uh, and, uh, they, uh, they are the incumbents, they are the front runners, but they have no choice, but to secure this deal, because if they don't, then they're stuck competing uh, between FAU, which is an ideal because of market and FIU, which again, I can't speak to in greater detail, but you've outlined their, their dilemma there perfectly. So while they are the favorites, they also have 
no choice but to, to cross the finish line and cross it soon. Uh, one, one last point before I throw it over to you uh, to give your final thoughts is uh, we, we neglected to mention earlier in the show, Interim would put a about an 18,000-seat modular stadium, a new structure around the field at Lockhart uh, for, right. for the initial purposes of playing there temporarily as a temporary home. Once they move to Melrose, or you know, we assume they move to Melrose, Miami Freedom Park, then they would uh, knock that down and replace it with a permanent five to 7,000-seat structure is what I understand. And that would be for the B team and for, uh, uh, in, again, as I said at the outset, youth tournaments. They have to do that. They have to have that component uh, to win this bid. I believe they know that, uh, but I'm just reminding them by saying it. Otherwise, uh, they very well could leave the door open for FXE to take it. Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, I think that that puts a bow on it pretty well, um, and and that's why it's so funny because there's this this Jurgen Klinsmann thing that I wanted to touch on at the very end. Go ahead. Uh, and 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 well, no. So I got a text from a friend, a friend of the a friend of the program, a friend of TYSC texted me this morning, and said, um, "Did you see the the Klinsmann report that that Jurgen was somebody that Inter Miami was talking to as their manager, and you know." Anyone that's listening to this has read me long enough to know Neil Blackman's feelings on Jurgen Klinsmann. <laughs> so they, the, the, the friend's remark was, are they hiring Jurgen just to torture you? <laughs> and I said, you know, I said, you know, I would feel that way if I believed any of it. But I think right now all they care about is, is finding a place to train and play. Yeah, on Jurgen Klinsmann, I, I want to remind people what I tweeted earlier, which was that he has used the media before claiming he linking himself to jobs or his agent has linked him to jobs, which were superficial, really didn't exist. Uh, and it's not just me who said that right. there were prominent media members. I'm not going to name any names more prominent than you and I who have privately told me I'm spot on when I say that about Klinsman and his agent <laughs> in the past. So uh, exactly. I'm not concerned about it yet. I would be very concerned about it if they hired him. Don't get me wrong, but um uh, we can cross that bridge when we come to it. So, Neil, your final thoughts on, on Lockhart? Well, I think uh, Cardick, Cardick summarized it uh, really well. It's just, you know, it's it's a must-have um, for Inter-Miami. Um, to date, and this is why I kind of referenced the disorder of, and chaos of Miami and how things usually just fall into place and the city moves on, um, that's kind of been this club's MO is they, you know, it seems like it's going to be the end, and then at the last instant, uh, they, they, they seize it from the death. Maybe they'll play their soccer that way, too, and their football will be very exciting, right? Yeah, kind of like but, Orlando uh, City. They were always something's happening up in the 90th minute of every game. They usually lose, but still. We're going to talk about Orlando City on a future show. <laughs> and and the, geni- the genius of signing Nani, because Kaka got them to the playoffs so often. But um, You know, in Miami, we can say that they're a train wreck and they, they bungled everything, but they're still, you know they're going to make the playoffs before Orlando does. Well, I mean, they hired Paul McDonough, so one would think. Um, but they also hired Nicky Budelik. So. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe they're going to be Orlando <laughs> South. I don't know. <laughs> Who really knows? All I know is that they have to get Lockhart, as Cardick said. Yeah. Well, so thank you once again for listening to us, Neil Blackman and I. Uh, Yanksforcoming.com is the website. We will be back with you in the very near future to talk U.S. men's and women's national team. Big year 2019 is. Thank you again.